What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to a Victory Monday episode of the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Giannoletti, and how are we all doing on this Victory Monday? Uh, Dolphins get back on the winning side of things with a win over the New York Jets in Week 12, a 20-3 win, a dominant win against the New York Jets. Uh, Now, I want to preface this episode um, with this. I don't know, maybe maybe for some reason I'm paying attention more to football now than I have been in years past, but after playing the Jets for the past two years, led by Adam Gase, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember the, the I don't remember Adam Gase being this bad with the Miami Dolphins. Now I could be completely wrong. Um, I, I, I could be mistaken, maybe we were this bad. I know there were a couple games where we didn't score any points. Uh, which seems to be a theme with Adam Gase. But I don't remember our team led by him being this bad. Now, I don't know if maybe it's because he has less talent or maybe because he's just being exposed even more after having more years in the NFL, more film. Um, But they are bad. Like the New York Jets are a very, very, very bad team. And it's not necessarily because of their players because... We'll talk about, you know, we'll break down the game more, you know, in, in later on this video or this podcast, but the Jets are just very, very, very bad. And I really feel for Sam Darnold after watching this game because I saw a lot of, um, I saw a lot of hate for Sam Darnold during this game. Uh, a lot of Jets fans were saying offense looked better with Joe Flacco. Sam Darnold doesn't know what he's doing. We keep joking. Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Uh, and I really feel bad for him. I do because we 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 were all saying the same things about Ryan Tannehill as Dolphin fans, and he left, and now he's with the Tennessee Titans, and he's playing phenomenal football. Not just for his standards, but just in general, he's playing phenomenal football. And I really hope that Sam Darnold gets another chance after he leaves the New York Jets. I don't think they're going to stay with him. Um, I think they're going to move on, take Trevor Lawrence in the draft, because I don't think they'll win a game this season, to be 100% honest. Um, But I really hope Sam Darnold gets another chance away from the New York Jets, because he had one year with a head coach, uh, and then he had two years with Adam Gase. And I don't really think he's been given a fair shot. I don't think he's been given a chance to really succeed with a coaching staff and a front office that believes in him, and that helps develop him into the player that I think he can be. Um, I, I like Sam Darnold a lot. I think he's a phenomenal person to lead your team. He's a good guy. Um, I think he has a lot of talent. He can run the football better than people think. He has a good arm. But I just don't think the development is there for him uh, because there were many plays in this game. For instance, the two interceptions that he threw where I was like, what are you thinking? Like, this is your third year in the NFL, and he made, like, rookie mistakes. And as much as I just want to blame it on Sam Darnold, it's really, it really all has to go back to coaching. It really does, because we're seeing now with Brian Flores that you can have young players and you can make mistakes, but we're not seeing the mistakes repeated game after game. Usually with Brian Flores, if there's a mistake in one game, it's usually fixed the next game. You don't see the same type of penalties. You don't see the same type of mistakes over and over and over. 
but we're seeing that with the Jets. And I know this isn't a Jets podcast, but that was just one thing that I really noticed from this game after watching the whole thing. I was like, man, I really feel bad. I really feel bad for this guy because he's most likely not going to play with uh, the Jets after this season. And after that outing, I don't know how much the Jets are going to get in return for him. But I really hope he does get a chance to succeed in another system for another team, hopefully, that uh, has better uh, general managers, better coaches, better head coach, better players around him. I really hope that for Sam Darnold. But this isn't a Jets podcast, so let's break down the Dolphins' uh, victory. So, obviously, 20-3 to victory. Um, in two games, the Dolphins have given up three points to the Jets. Uh, that is insanely impressive. I know it's the New York Jets, but I mean, you look at the Buffalo Bills gave up 27 points in two games to the Jets and the Patriots have given up 27 points in their first game against the Jets, uh, a game they almost lost. And I know the Jets have not won a game yet and they're a bad team, but to give up three points in two games, not three points per game, but three points total over a span of two games in the NFL that's insanely impressive, uh, and this defense is just proving week after week how dominant they can be, um, and, and and I really think that, honestly, it, it's going to be the foundation of this team moving forward. Uh, let's get into some stats. Uh, Dolphins right now are currently the second-ranked scoring defense in the NFL, meaning they're giving up the second-fewest points per game at 18.6. The only team ahead of them, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are giving up 17.4 and have yet to play the team in third place, the Baltimore Ravens, who are at 19.5. So the game on Tuesday is going to have really a big impact on uh, the rankings as far as scoring defense, so keep an eye on that. Um, But let's get into the Dolphins' defense first because that's where I want to start. I have less to talk about with the defense than I do the offense. But the defense was really just dominant. Uh, we, we, we saw a lot of people contribute and not necessarily people that contribute all the time, but we're seeing people contribute game after game from different areas. Um, Xavier Howard, I think we need to start there. If you still have questions about Xavier Howard, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you do. Um, Xavier Howard, another interception in this game. He almost had, I think, three but he definitely almost had two. There was one where he almost caught it. Uh, it was a it was a a crossing route to the right side, right near the end zone, and he almost had it in his hands and he dropped it. But he almost had two interceptions in this game. One of them he came down with, um, and he was just dominant the whole entire game. He is by far our number one cornerback, and Byron Jones at this point, in my opinion, is basically the guy that makes the quarterback not want to throw to Byron Jones. Byron Jones coverage is so good that the quarterback doesn't think they're open. And so they decide to throw to Xavier Howard and Xavier Howard's the type of cornerback where he'll give the wide receiver more room and it'll make it look like he's open. And then when the quarterback throws it, Xavier Howard knows his strengths. He'll, he'll make a quick break on the ball and he'll pick it off. And it's a really, really good duo between those two. Uh, Nick Needham got an interception this game. Uh, This is another year, just like last year, where we're seeing Nick Needham get better and better throughout the season. And I could argue, and I think I'm correct in this, Nick Needham is better now 
a lot better now than he was when he was good last year. Like, the peak that he's reaching now is far greater than the peak he reached last year because last year we saw him intercept a couple balls. Not really, though, but he just had pretty good coverage. This year, he's gone against some good wide receivers, especially Keenan Allen sticks out to me a lot, where he's just playing good coverage. He's playing great coverage. He's making good reads. He's making good plays on the ball. And in this game, got an interception. Uh, Granted, it was a really bad decision by Sam Darnold, but still, you got to make the play, and he made it. Uh, Christian Wilkins, welcome back. Uh, Christian Wilkins, you could really feel his presence on that defensive line. And seeing him and Raekwon Davis and Zach Sealer kind of share the workload was really, really, really cool to watch. And I'm excited to see that development as the years go on, as the games go on, because Raekwon Davis looks like an absolute stud. If he can just continue to get better, if he can just continue to improve week in and week out, he had a half a sack in this game. He had a couple of tackles, great tackles. Uh, I think one or two of them was a tackle for loss. And it just felt like every time the run was stuffed at the line of scrimmage, you saw Raekwon Davis being the main contributor to that play. Um, and he just looked really impressive. Zach Sealer just has so much hustle and so much passion in his game. You can see it when he plays. He loves playing the game. Uh, Kyle Van Noy had a great game. Uh, Brandon Jones, if you, uh, I, I actually, I, I didn't have the podcast at the time during the draft, but Brandon Jones was actually my favorite pick of the Dolphins draft. Um, and I don't, really know why it's just when I watched him play in college when I saw the demeanor that he carried himself with uh, I really loved the pick and he had a great game he had a sack in this game he had some good tackles and his workload's increasing week in and week out Uh, I really like him I really like Brandon Jones and another thing that impresses me with Brandon Jones is I didn't realize how fast he was when I watch him play I'm like man I think that guy might be the fastest guy on the field at all times he is a super super fast safety and if he can just develop more on the kind of leadership role that Bobby McCain has where he kind of learns how to direct the defense I think the Dolphins have a great great young safety in Brandon Jones um, I'm trying to think who else Zach's uh, uh Landon Roberts had a f- <laughs> Landon Roberts basically what happened is after the game he said if a team runs on fourth and one I find it disrespectful And that's just like a savage quote because every time a team, like literally before the fourth and one run happened where Landon Roberts uh, stuffed Frank Gore, just nailed him in the backfield for a loss of one. I was just looking for where Landon Roberts was because it feel, I feel like every single week he makes a play where, when it matters, whether it's the Arizona game, this game, the Rams game where he just learned, he just knows how to find the running back. He finds the hole, runs hard, and just nails the running back. And I was literally watching him from the beginning of the play to the end of the play. I was like, where's Landon Roberts? They said hike, and I watched him just destroy Frank Gore. Uh, And it was a thing of beauty. This defense is playing great. As I said, I know it's against the Jets, and I don't want to put too much into it. But to give up three points in two games to any team is really impressive. As, as I said, the Patriots gave up 27 points the first time they played a couple weeks ago, and the Bills gave up 27 points through two games against the Jets. So yes, the Jets aren't that good, but the Dolphins have given up three points in two games to them. 
that's very, very, very impressive. And if if there is a key to success for the Dolphins to get into the playoffs, play well in December, hopefully get into the playoffs and have a chance at winning some games, it's going to be through the defense, 100%. Um, okay, so with that, let's move to the offense because the offense is where I want to spend a majority of the podcast on because obviously before the game, we found out that Tua was downgraded to out. In fact, he wasn't even active. He was inactive. Uh, so Ryan Fitzpatrick got the start. And Ryan Fitzpatrick had a good day. Uh, 24 for 39, 257 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the thing I care about the most is the no interceptions. Um, he really had a, a a good day. There was nothing about his day that I was like, man, that was amazing. Or, man, that wasn't good. Like, he had a good day. And you could definitely tell that Ryan Fitzpatrick just has more comfort and more chemistry with these wide receivers. And I don't say that as a slight to Tua at all. As I said in my previous uh, podcast on Sunday, I love Tua more. I, I, I think he should be our starting quarterback. But obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have more chemistry with Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. He played all of last season with them. This isn't his first season with them. He played all year with Mike Kosicki. He played all year with Devontae Parker. Of course, he's going to have more chemistry with them. That that makes 100% sense. Um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game did exactly what Tua would have done, uh, which is don't turn the ball over um, and play solid football. Now, here is my... How do I say this? Here is my beef, I guess, I have with the Dolphins' offense. For some reason, I don't understand it. I, I Granted, I'm not a football coach, not a coordinator, I'm not a player. But there was a stretch in this game where the Dolphins threw 31 passes and 6 runs. It was in the third quarter. They had gone like a whole 2 drives without running the football. And I was just very, very, very confused. I even, I was on the Bleacher Report live stream and I put, do the Dolphins know that they can also run as well? They don't have to just keep passing it. Because they weren't even trying to run the football. They, there were, most of the plays were from an empty backfield. Ryan Fitzpatrick was just back there, no shot of them running. Hey, we're going to pass it on you. We're not even going to try to set up the run. And granted, it was successful obviously 24 for 39 257 and two touchdowns isn't you know bad at all it's, it's a good game but that's not complete football and while I can be happy with the game Ryan Fitzpatrick had in the game that Chan Gailey called against the Jets because it was successful I can also look towards the future and say this is not how we are going to win come December come playoffs if we make it that's not. And and my main problem is that it's not like we weren't running the football well. That's another thing. It's not like we weren't running the football well. We finished the game. The, the worst average carry per run was DeAndre Washington at 3.8 yards per carry, which that's not bad. You want to get about three and a half to four yards a carry as a running back. That's where you want to live. If you can get more, obviously that's amazing. But DeAndre Washington had... 3.8 yards a carry for 13 carries, 49 yards. Matt Breida, 8 carries, 36 yards, averaged 4.5 yards a carry. And Patrick Laird got uh, a carry for 9 yards, but it was a fumble. Um, and that was a big thing. That was a, another big problem. Like, Fitz didn't turn the ball over, 
but the running backs were there were two drives in a row where it ended in a fumble and that can't happen that can't happen and if if you want to succeed in the NFL especially come December come playoffs you have to be able to run the ball and stop the run and I feel like the Dolphins are going to be able to learn how to stop the run more as we go on now that they have Wilkins back Davis is playing better Sealers in there I think we'll be able to stop the run hopefully better, but we are just not choosing to run the ball, and that's the biggest problem. It's not that we can't run the ball. A lot of people get that confused. They say, oh, the Dolphins can't run the football. No, that's not the problem in this game. The problem in this game was we just chose not to run the football, and that's what was very confusing to me, and that's why I think we are a more complete football team with Tua in there. Yes, does Tua have the same chemistry Ryan Fitzpatrick has? No, he doesn't. Not at all. He didn't play with them for two years almost. But with two in there, you almost need to lean on the run game more because when Fitzpatrick's in there, he just wants to throw at every single play. Tua doesn't want to do that, and they don't want to do that with Tua. They want to run the football more. They want to set up the play action. And it was just really upsetting to me because we weren't even attempting to run the football. We didn't really run the football until the very end of the game when it was already won, it was twenty three to it was twenty to three. And usually at the end of the game when you're trying to run the football, the team knows you're good you're just trying to run it and they're able to stop it better, but they weren't able to stop our run at all. Pretty much the entire game. There were like two runs that were like for no gain or one yard. But aside for that, it was like three yards a carry, four yards a carry. Matt Breida would get an eight yard run. Matt Breida would get like a 10, 12 yard run. DeAndre Washington had some good runs in there. Um, Patrick Laird, if he didn't fumble the ball, that was a nine-yard carry. And so I really hope moving forward that the Dolphins run the ball more um, because I understand the Jets, their strength of their defense is their run defense, but that doesn't mean you just don't run the football. That may mean you don't run it as effectively, but the Dolphins just chose not to run the football. Um, And we actually finished the game... We finished the game with 104 rushing yards. It's not that bad. The Jets finished the game with 87 yards rushing. Um, a lot of those came off of two chunk plays by Frank Gore. Uh, one was for 14, one was for 17. But the Dolphins were very good on the run defense in this game. Uh, and I just I just don't understand why we didn't run the football more. Why we didn't at least call more running plays to set up the play action. Um I was just I was just confused by it and I hope that that gets fixed moving forward because you're not going to win against you know the Chiefs or the Raiders or the Bills or the Patriots by throwing the football the entire game. You're not going to do that at all. There's no shot. So, if you have a shot at winning those games, it's going to be running the football, setting up the play action, not being one-dimensional on offense. And, you know, I, I, I said that last week. I said it last week. You can go back and listen to the podcast where I break down the the game uh, against the Broncos and what went wrong. And I talked about it's not that we had a bad running game. We just weren't running the football. There was that drive where we ran the ball. Uh, Savan Ahmed got a 15-yard run. Um, and then we just passed four times in a row and it led to a sack and then a field goal. And I was confused. I was like, you just ran the ball for 15 yards and then a three-yard run, and then you just threw four times in a row? I don't know. I just didn't understand it. And we saw it again this week. So I'm hoping that moving forward, you know, Brian Flores 
kind of addresses that and, you know, goes up to Chan Gailey and says, hey, you know, we need to we need to run the football more. Can't be passing it for, you know, 40 times a game uh, because, yes, Fitz had 257 yards passing, but he threw the ball 40 times when two was in there. They don't they don't make him throw the ball 40 times. And so some people say, man, did you see how much more effective Fitz was in there? He, he, he was able to command the offense, yada, yada, yada. No, no. They just decided we're going to make you throw every play. If Tua threw every play, he probably could put up those numbers as a rookie. We saw it with the Arizona game. He put up those numbers because they asked him to throw a lot more and we didn't run as much. But I just don't think that's a good way to win football games. I don't. I don't think a good way to win football games is to just go out there and throw the ball every play and run it like two or three times a quarter. I don't think that's a way to win football games, and I don't think it's, you know, going to help us succeed moving forward if we if we want to win games in December and if we want to go to the playoffs and win games. That's that's not something that's going to be effective. Uh, on the receiving end, Devontae Parker, 119 yards. We clearly see that Devontae Parker and Ryan Fitzpatrick have great chemistry. Um and that's to be expected. As I said, they played a whole year together last year, and they played a half a season almost together this year. So, of course, they're going to have more chemistry. I understand that. And I really do think that a big thing with Tua is trusting his wide receivers, especially Gesicki and Devontae Parker, where, hey, you may not be open, open, but I'll throw the ball up to you and put it in the right position and place for you to make a play on it. And that's just something that's going to come with time. I think for us to judge Tua because his chemistry with them isn't, you know, phenomenal right away, it's really premature. I mean, he's played four games with them. Uh, He didn't even play the full fourth game. He's played like three and a half games with them. So his chemistry is not going to be where it needs to be right now. But, you know, hopefully that's something that he can learn from Fitzpatrick of, Hey, let me let me try to give my guys a chance to make a play on the ball. That way they can, you know, if I if I throw a ball up in the air, more often than not, Parker and Gesicki are gonna come down with it. Um now Malcolm Perry, I do want to say this, Malcolm Perry uh exited the game earlier on. He had one catch for eight yards and then he went out of the game with a chest injury. Uh he didn't come back in the game. So that kind of shows you that it might be a little more serious than you know, something that we shouldn't take seriously, but I'll keep an eye on that and I'll, I'll keep you guys informed. But yeah, Malcolm Perry got a chest injury, had a catch for eight yards, but, but then left the game. Um, someone on offense that really stood out to me that impressed me was DeAndre Washington and his ability. I didn't realize how good of a pass catcher he was, but his ability to just make plays with the ball in his hand is impressive to me. And if I were the Dolphins, I would be feeding him more and more every single week. Uh, I think he proved in this game he didn't fumble the ball unlike Breida and Laird. Uh, he didn't you know, make any mistakes. He played good football in the passing game and in the running game. So if I'm the Dolphins, I would feed DeAndre Washington more. I think he's earned it. Um, and especially you know, with Miles Gaskin not coming back yet. Uh, we don't know what's wrong with Savan Ahmed yet. So... I, I would I would see what you have in DeAndre Washington. Now to finish off my breakdown of the offense, I want to turn our attention to the offensive line. 
Now, Solomon Kinley did not play in this game. Uh, Jesse Davis started for him at right guard and Robert Hunt at right tackle. Um, I don't really know what's going on with the offensive line, to be completely honest with you. Uh, they were playing really well early in the season. Um, and then basically, I don't want to say since Tua came in because they were playing really well even when Tua was in there. But since last week, we just have not been playing well on the offensive line. Um, two games in a row now, one with Fitz, one with Tua, where the offensive line was just not good. Simply just not good. Now, they're not as bad as last year, but they just, they're they're getting worse. And I don't know if it's maybe because of the injury to Solomon Kinley or you know, the fact that we didn't have Austin Jackson for a good amount of time. But our offensive line clearly just needs work still, in my opinion. Um, if I were the Dolphins, to be completely frank, um, I would address... I have four picks in the first two rounds. I would put at least two to three of them, probably three, to the offense. Running back, wide receiver, and another offensive lineman. And I know we put a lot of draft capital and um, money into the offensive line this uh, this past off season, but what's the point of doing that? Um, you know, what's the point of, of doing that? Is it to just say, "Hey, we invested in the offensive line; we're good now," or is it to invest and say, "Okay, is it did it work or did it not work?" Because if it didn't work, let's try to get better. Uh, I think that's kind of Chris Greer's philosophy. I don't think he's the type of person that's just not going to even address the offensive line now that he did in the offseason. And I think that uh, guard and center are still big needs. Now, obviously, they're they're all rookies, so I need to give them a break. But I still think center is a big position of need for this team. Um, I think running back is a big position of need for this team, clearly. Uh, And I think wide receiver. I think we're seeing that week in and week out. Like, there's only a certain amount of times you can throw to Devontae Parker. You know? Like, in this game, uh, he he did spread the ball out, Fitzpatrick. But, I mean, there's only a certain amount of times you can just throw 50-50 balls to Devontae Parker. Uh, So, I think we do need a legitimate, uh, fast, playmaking wide receiver. Because we already have a big wide receiver in Devontae Parker, which we need. But I think we need that guy that's going to compliment him to where he's not a 50-50 ball guy, but he's someone that can, you know, make plays with the ball in his hand, run good routes, he's fast, he's twitchy. I think that's someone that the Dolphins should really invest in in the offseason, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, overall with this game, guys, uh, I it, it's, you know, it, 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 we played the Jets, so obviously I can't take too much away from this game. But still, defensively, it's hard to stop any team to three points in two games. Really impressive. Um, and then offensively, uh, I can't be too mad because we obviously got a win. But um, I do see some things in this team, especially offensively with the running game, with the play calling, that gives me pause, gives me hesitation when, you know, my excitement starts to build up for this team in December against the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills, um, and in the playoffs. Because, as I said, you're not going to win football games throwing 40 times a game. 
unless you need to, but you didn't need to in this game. And you're not going to win football games not trying to run the ball. You know, we didn't even try to in this game. So that's just my opinion on it. I understand the Jets have a better run defense than pass defense, but that doesn't mean, in my opinion, that you just don't run the football. It just means you may not be as effective at running the football. But uh, whatever, we won the game. Uh, happy that we are now in the win column. We're 7-4, and four, um, and with the win, this weekend was actually good for Dolphins fans because the ten, or the Colts lost, the Raiders lost, and the Dolphins won. Now, the Browns won, and hopefully the Ravens lose because I believe um, if I look up the playoff picture real quick, I should, I should really have had this up, but it's fine. NFL playoff bracket. So right now, in the NFC playoff picture, give it a second, loading. Um, the Dolphins are sixth and the Browns are fifth. The Ravens aren't even in the playoff hunt. So I don't really know what happens if the Ravens win. But I do know right now the Dolphins are sixth uh, and the Browns are fifth. So I can certainly tell you that if the Ravens win, they'll be seven and four which wouldn't put them above the Browns. It might put them above the Dolphins or the Colts. So we might get bumped down if the Ravens win. Not 100% sure on that, but right now we're the sixth seed. We're the sixth seed. We're seven and four. If we win next week, um, if we win next week against the Cincinnati Bengals, um, who knows what implications that will have on the team. Uh, But, it certainly wouldn't help. It certainly wouldn't hurt us to lose that game. So, definitely a good weekend for Dolphins football. We moved up in the playoff bracket, and hopefully, we can continue this winning streak moving forward because we got a hard stretch of games coming up with Chiefs, uh, Patriots, uh, Raiders, and Bills. Raiders game actually found out this morning. Raiders game got moved to Saturday night football. So, if you didn't think Dolphins were going to play in prime time again this year. You were wrong, uh, so was I, because I didn't expect it to be moved up. But I am glad it was moved up because the Dolphins have been playing good football, and we deserve to be on primetime television, and that's going to be a really good game. I'm excited for it. It's the day after Christmas, so if we lose, it won't ruin my Christmas, but um, I don't think we'll lose. Uh, the, Ra- the Raiders got hammered. The Ravens got, The Raiders got hammered by the Falcons. They lost 43-6. to and that's something that I, I'll end this podcast on. Notice with the Dolphins, we have, I, I thought about this yesterday. The Dolphins haven't lost any games by like a large margin. Like the Dolphins have been in every game that we've lost. We lost to the Broncos, which we considered probably our worst game of the season. We lost by seven points. Um, we lost by eight points to the Seahawks, three points to the Bills, and 10 points to the Patriots, first game of the season. So we've been in all of these games, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just saying this because I don't want the Raiders to do well. Maybe I'm saying this because I don't like the Raiders. But if you lose 43-6 to to the Falcons, I don't, I don't know. I, I question you. I question you as a team 
because it's not like they lost to the Falcons in a close game because I would understand that. There's games where, you know, you're supposed to win and you lose. That's what happens. Dolphins were supposed to beat the Broncos. We lost. It happens. It's fine. But to lose that badly to a team that is significantly worse than you, that's, that's, I can't unsee that. Similar to how, you know, all this time when people have been saying the Rams are amazing, the Rams are amazing, and I've been saying I, I can't unsee what we did to them. I can't unsee how one-dimensional and how easy they are to figure out. I can't unsee that. So when I saw people on the media saying how the Rams were a top-five team in the NFL, I laughed. I chuckled because I was like, the Dolphins destroyed them. They absolutely destroyed and dominated them, and we saw that two times now in the Super Bowl and against the Dolphins where if you want to beat them, just blitz Jared Goff. He has no idea what to do under pressure. And we saw that this past week, they lost to the 49ers. The 49ers who don't have their starting quarterback, starting tight end, it's basically their second string team, they lost. And so that's kind of where I am with the Raiders. Like, yes, are the Raiders a good team? 100%. Could they beat the Dolphins? 100%. But I can't unsee that team losing 43-6. to against the Falcons. It's not like they lost 43 to 6 against the Chiefs or, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers or something like that. They lost 43 to 6 against the Atlanta Falcons, who up to that point had only won 3 games. I, I believe it's they they only won 3 games up until that point. I could be wrong, but up until that game the Atlanta Falcons had only won 3 games. And now they're 4 and 7. Like you can't lose to a 3-win team by over 30 points. You can't do that. You can't do that. Or, or not, yeah, over 30 points, yeah. You, that, that can't happen. And so I can't unsee that. And if you're a Dolphins fan, I understand that last week's loss to the Broncos was disappointing. But have confidence knowing that, like, we're not getting destroyed. Every single game we're in, we, we, it comes down to the wire. Um, And so... I don't know, just food for thought. I I, I kind of wanted to say that because I thought of that yesterday when I looked at the Raiders score. I was like, how can a team that everyone thinks is so good, how do you lose that badly? Like, I, I don't I, I don't understand it. I can't unsee it. And, you know, I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on moving forward is, you know, what do these teams look like? Like even the Browns. The Browns, lo- the Browns beat the Jaguars by two points. And it was a very close game. It came down to the wire. The Colts just got absolutely smacked. Absolutely smacked. And they beat the Packers, so I don't think they're a bad team, but they got smacked by the Titans. Um, And so I look around us at a bunch of these teams, and I'm like, some of y'all seem like frauds. Like, some of y'all seem like you're just playing easy teams, and then when you play someone, you know, maybe hard, or you play someone that you don't expect to beat you, you just get schlacked. And so, I, I, I don't know, just food for thought, just food for thought moving forward. Raiders, who, you know, everyone thought was one of the best teams in the AFC, just lost by 35 points. Actually, no, they lost 43-6, to six, so they lost by 37 points uh, to a team that only won three games. Um, so just food for thought. Browns almost lost to the Jaguars, just food for thought. Dolphins destroyed the Jets. We've been in every single game we've played. Just food for thought. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, make sure to leave a review uh, on whatever streaming service you're listening to. Hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you guys are staying healthy. Hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. And I can't wait to see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the Finn Sports Football Podcast. See ya.